What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. to episode 358 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is actually Sunday, late evening on July 17th as I record this, but also going to be coming out on July 18th on Monday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the Battery Power Podcast Network. If you missed it, it's been very busy recently. In fact, as you listen to this right now, the Road to Atlanta crew has already broken down the first two rounds of the, of the baseball draft that happened on Sunday in deep dive fashion late into the evening on Sunday into Monday, which I'm posting this after that for a reason. But full coverage of the draft continues from Eric and the guys, and that's part of the reason why I am actually solo today. And it's because of the draft coverage and also just the fact that it's the All-Star break and trying to give Sean Coleman a day off or two. Sean has been killing it on the Daily Hammer in recent days and uh, basically just wall-to-wall coverage every single day on the Battery Power Podcast Network. And I'm trying to give Sean a few days off. And also uh, with Scott Scott Coleman, my friend and colleague, um, trying to also give him a couple days off. As well, so here we are with a solo podcast to break down the results from the weekend and look ahead a little bit as well. If you missed it, um, the Daily Hammer, led by Sean, has already covered the entire schedule of games through Thursday, so I'm not going to cover the early week games on this solo podcast, but... What we're going to do on today's show is cover the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games and then also look ahead a little bit to the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend week festivities and also a little bit of a recap on what's been transpiring for the Braves' big picture with their run since June 1st where they've been 33-11. and That seems pretty good in a lot of different ways, obviously. And then at the end of the show, a look ahead to the second half of the the season that's coming up with the standings, a look ahead at the projections with the Braves and Mets racing for the National East crown at this point in time. First, though, a look at the weekend's performance from the from the Braves. And listen, they went two and one over the weekend, three and one in the last four, and winning the series against the Nats. As mentioned before, Sean covered Thursday's game, which was a five four win over Washington. So we're going to dive in to Friday's game right now. And uh, Friday's game was a pretty breezy win in a lot of ways. It was a 6 nothing lead early on. Matt Olson had three RBI singles in the first four innings for the Braves on Friday and what became an 8-4 to win. Austin Riley hit another home run. Austin Riley has been ridiculous in recent days. Um, there were some Ian Anderson third time through the order issues, as we've talked about actually extensively last week on the show. Um, he actually got the leadoff man out to end the fifth inning and then the sixth inning, third time through the order. As almost always, it seems, he allowed a double, a walk, a fielder's choice, and another walk in the sixth. And uh, with that, his ERA, the third time through the order this year, is 12.94. Yes, 12.94. His slash line allowed, third time through the order, is 384, 483, and 699 this season, third time through the order. Uh, I will say, Anderson, he did pitch well overall on Friday, but uh, I thought that was kind of in keeping with what we talked about last week on the podcast 
At least wanted to pass that along to you because uh, it got a little bit dicey later in the game. In fact, when Will Smith came in, he got only two outs. He was charged with three hits, two walks, and three runs, and also got into it with Juan Soto and kind of a moment that went pretty viral nationally, which is pretty rare these days for uh, sort of abstract baseball moments. But Will Smith was not very good on Friday. They had to go to AJ Minter to slam the door, which he did. He came in and won the game. They were still up by four runs. The final score being eight to four. But the Braves had a little bit of a hiccup there at the end, but still continuing their dominance over the Nats at that point in time. Uh, Saturday's game was another win for the Braves. In fact, it was a 6-3 victory, and that extended their winning streak against the Nationals to nine straight games, including 14 in a row in the nation's capital. That's a pretty crazy run against one team in one place. And also, the Nats have been struggling overall. At that point on Saturday evening, they were 1-15 in their last 16 games. Uh, They're not very good this year, let's just say that. Um, Home runs for Matt Olson and Austin Riley on Saturday. Michael Harris stole, I should say, three bases on Saturday as well. It was not like peak Max Freed on Saturday, but he was good enough to win. Three runs, did not walk anyone. In, six, in seven innings of work. There was an inevitable rain delay, as there almost always is in Washington at the end of that contest. But uh, despite that, the Braves were able to hang on and win 6-3, to three, and that was a nice breezy victory as well. Uh, unfortunately, the first half, quote-unquote, of the season did come to an end with a loss on Sunday afternoon, a 7-3 to three defeat in Washington to uh, sort of ruin those winning streaks and all those pre-numbers against the Nationals in recent days. Um, Spencer Strider was very shaky early on. He, he allowed four runs in the second inning. There was a, a pretty pro- high-profile error from Austin Riley with two outs that did not, did not really help things for Strider in that uh, in that second inning. But the Braves did score three runs in the fourth to kind of get back into the game. That was kind of it, though, for the offense. Josh Bell, by the way, as a sidebar for the Nationals, was ridiculous in the entire series. Not really fair to him that they were only able to get one win in that series for Washington, but he was uh, hard to get out the entire way. For the Braves, and they, they did get through the last four innings of the game, and uh, by extension of the first half, with Dylan Lee and Tyler Matzik to give everybody else a, a sort of an extra day off. That's probably nice to see for the bullpen overall, but that was the end of that. Um, clearly, with the loss, I know that's not how you want to end the first half of the season, but the numbers since June 1st have been frankly ridiculous for the Braves. They are 33-11 and 11 since June 1. That is the best record in baseball by a pretty decent margin, actually. The Yankees are next at 30-13, and 13, so a two-and-a-half game margin over the best team in the league. And the Yankees had the best record in the league overall by a pretty clear margin, but the Braves have been even better than them since June 1. Multiple games clear of the Dodgers and Phillies in the National League, and it's really been both sides of the coin, offensively and run prevention, that have done uh, a lot of damage throughout this run for the Braves. Offensively, some numbers for you since June 1. The Braves have 85 home runs. That leads the National League. Um, a 486 team slugging percentage, which is just a crazy high number for that big of a sample size. That's number one in all of baseball. A 122 WRC plus for the Braves um, since June 1. That is number one in the National League. They also lead the National League in batting average at 262. So uh, pretty crazy consistency. And with the exception of Austin Riley, who's been ridiculous, nobody else is having a crazy outlier run right now. It's just the fact that the Braves have been so incredibly balanced when it comes to their their performance and their production during this run. In fact, um, at this point, since June 1, every single regular, other than second baseman, so basically take out Arcia and I guess Robinson Cano now, and of course Ozzy Alves has been hurt for a while, every other regular in the lineup, and that includes both catchers, has at least a 112 WRC plus since June 1. That is a pretty impressive run for a team. Basically, you almost always have at least one guy in your lineup that's not performing all that well. And the Braves haven't really had that for almost two months now. 
There is one uh, sort of a, a little bit of a downgrade here when it comes to Guys not performing at their absolute best. I would just point out that Ronald Acuna has been very human in recent days. I don't mean to pile on that. It hasn't mattered, obviously, because the Braves have been performing extremely well. But Ronnie, for the season now, has a 119 WRC+, which is still really good. That's the craziest part about this, is that Ronald Acuna is having his worst season as, as a professional. And he's still been uh, 19% clear of league average on offense. But he is down to a 265 363 and a 413 slugging. Uh, the slugging is probably the most concerning part. That's over 100 points below his career um, baseline uh, in a lot of different ways. So uh, Ronnie has is probably the only point of concern, if you want to even call it that. I personally don't really have much concern about Ronald Acuna. I think it would be awesome in the future, as he almost always is. But uh, that's worth noting. He's been the one guy that's kind of been a little bit struggling of the regulars in recent days. But he's, that's co- sort of counteracted by Riley's performance. I bet this a second ago, but Riley has been the only guy who's been like scorching hot for this entire time. He is a 178 WRC plus since June 1st. He is slugging 659. Over the last six weeks, that is a wild number. And of course, as we'll get into later on, that earned him an all-star bid um, after a couple of guys had to drop out of the proceedings. And he definitely earned that nod to the all-star game. Um, On the pitching side, the Braves have also been incredibly good. In fact, they are number one in all of Major League Baseball in Fangraph's pitching war since June 1. One more time, number one in all of baseball in pitching war, according to Fangraph's. The entire team collectively has a 3.21 ERA uh, 9.88 strikeouts per nine innings and only 2.74 walks per nine innings. That's a very, very good ratio. And uh, even the bu- even the bullpen individually has been awesome. The bullpen is a top five bullpen in all of baseball since June 1 with a sub-3 ERA at 2.95. So anytime you're, th- you're sort of thinking that uh, the bullpen's been struggling, I-, I do understand that. And something I know Scott's been saying a lot. It doesn't always feel like they've been awesome, but they really have been awesome. And the numbers do paint that picture pretty clearly. And also, finally, the starters individually have been awesome. Max Fried has a 2.16 ERA since June 1. Special Strider, even with a pretty shaky outing on Sunday, has a 3.15 ERA since June 1. Kyle Wright, 3.20. Charlie Morton, who had a rough start, of course, has a 3.44 ERA since June 1. So those four guys have been awesome. Obviously, uh, the fifth spot of Ian Anderson is the only guy that's kind of uh, been a black mark there. It's uh, it's actually over five, his ERA in the last six weeks. But anytime you can have four of your five starters pitching well at the same time, that is always a good time. And uh, that's where we'll leave it at this point in time. So uh, clearly, the Braves have been incredibly, incredibly good during this run. You cannot fake 33-11 and 11 over a 44-game sample size. Um, I will say they, of course, were a little bit outlier shaky early on in the season. We kind of thought that this run, we, something like this was going to be coming. Maybe not quite this this level of a run, but um, you know, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Just to be realistic about this, I think the Braves are probably not going to be playing 750 ball the entire rest of the way, but they are definitely playing extremely well. And as I talked about last week on the podcast as well, they really closed the gap with the Mets on their own. Uh, the Mets have actually been pretty solid in the in the last six weeks, and it has not mattered because the Braves have been so, so good. And if that continues, then the, then the Mets are not going to be able to keep up. But we'll, we'll get into that all in the second half of this podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we'll touch on some all-star stuff now, and then we'll get into some projections at the end of the podcast. I mentioned this earlier, but Austin Riley was added in the last few days to the all-star roster, and he definitely deserves it. He has 27 home runs in the first half of the season. Uh, That is uh, a pretty crazy number in itself, Um, but uh, that's where Riley is at this point. Um, Also, he is slugging a massive 575 for the year. I mentioned before, but he has a slugging that's near 700 for quite some time now. Uh, You cannot fake that necessarily. Uh, He's third in all of Edgy Baseball in home runs behind only Aaron Judge and Kyle Schwarber, and obviously number two in home runs according to uh, the National League only behind only Schwarber. He is top three in the National League in total bases, home runs, extra base hits, and slugging percentage. Um, I will say this. I know there's always a... Uh, split on this between some Braves fans and some others, uh, depending on what you value. But defensive metrics are the reason why his um, his Fangraphs war in particular, and I think Baseball Reference as well, have been dragged down a little bit. Uh, he's still a top 10 guy uh, in position players, according to Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, in war of, among National League players. But his defense has not been seen very well. And we saw that a little bit on, on Sunday, actually. He had a pretty bad defensive game on Sunday, I thought. Um, but... No matter where you land on that, I think that it's probably fair to say that he's below average defensively at third base. Maybe that's controversial still. I'm not really sure how people are viewing that. But um, regardless, his bat has been so good that it has not really mattered this year, to be honest with you. And I think he definitely earned all-star status. I know there was there's reasons why. I talked about this a little bit last week as well. But uh, the way that all-star selections are made, having to get every player, sorry, every team having a representative um, definitely clouds things out. Also, he's at a crowded position. Worth Nolan Arenado has been ridiculous at third base this year, for instance, for the Cardinals, etc. But Riley is definitely a deserving all-star. Um, I saw some MVP buzz for him this week. Uh, I would not go that far if he continues to hit it like this. Uh, he's been he's been playing on MVP level for the last six weeks. I will I will definitely say that. Um, full season wise, he doesn't really have an MVP case right now. Uh, he's more of a top ten guy in the National League than a top five or top three guy to actually be in the MVP race. But he has been wildly good, and uh, if he continues to hit like this, look out. He's on pace for 50 home runs or so. That's obviously a pretty impressive run in a lot of ways, and the power is. Uh, Ridiculous. Elsewhere on the all-star front, Max Fried is inactive for Tuesday's game. Uh, not a huge surprise there, actually. Um, he could have he could have probably been available to throw on his throw day, but probably better for the Braves that he's actually not available. He pitched on Saturday. It would have been two days rest for Freed. Obviously, he's a hometown guy in Los Angeles or Southern California, which would have been a nice story coming back for him. But from the Braves standpoint, I think this is probably a good thing, even though if he wants to obviously pitch, you can't blame him for, doing, for wanting to do that. But that was announced over the weekend that he will be inactive I'm sure he will be on hand and enjoying all-star festivities, but he will not be pitching on Tuesday. We already knew other guys that are in the mix there. Ronald Acuna is going to start. William Petraeus is going to start. And then Austin Riley off the bench, of course, for the National League. Also, Ronald Acuna is in the Home Run Derby on Monday as I'm, as I'm uh, delivering this podcast to you on Monday morning. Uh, Ronald is actually, right now, according to Caesars, plus 750 to win the Home Run Derby. That's the fourth best odds 
Pete Alonso is the favorite, and he is, of course, looking to three-peat in the Home Run Derby. In some ways, All-Star Week has actually been kind of turning into the Home Run Derby is like almost the prominent thing now because All-Star Game doesn't mean as much as it used to, etc. I'm a Home Run Derby guy for sure. Uh, All-Star Game guy, not necessarily as much, but we'll see if Ronald has a show to put on on Monday evening. I have one little mini rant as well. Um, this is in the middle of the draft cycle that's been covered, again, fantastically by our Road to Atlanta crew. But uh, I think it's pretty crazy what baseball is doing schedule-wise with regard to all of this coming at the same time. For example, the Futures game happened on Saturday in the middle of other MLB action. That is a ridiculous decision, in my opinion, um, because I'm not the biggest minor league guy by any means. But I would have liked to watch the Futures game and kind of have that in a standalone window and have people try to learn who these guys are. And that was overshadowed by actual real live baseball games that were happening. Same thing as having a full slate of baseball games on Sunday going into the draft. I think you probably want to make the draft its own event and have that be on its own day, for instance. Uh, maybe use uh, Wednesday uh, for that, for for example, if you want to use Wednesday as sort of the, uh, the blackout day when it comes to sports almost overall, but definitely in terms of baseball between the game and uh, competition res- resuming later on this week. So anyway, uh, typical baseball and like kind of shoot, shooting something in the foot a little bit. I think that they've not done a great job scheduling out and making their their high profile events actually high profile. Having the draft go on Monday again, uh, kind of head to head with the home run derby, it does not make a lot of sense to me. Um, having the draft mid season is always a little bit wild to me, regardless, but that's sort of unavoidable unavoidable in some respects. Anyway, that's my little mini rant for the day, but not not my favorite thing in the world when it comes to baseball scheduling. Okay, last thing as we look ahead to the schedule and the standings, the Braves as of this moment on July 17 into July 18, a.k.a. the All-Star break. They are 56-38 and 38 this year after the heck of a run that they had to close the first half. They are two and a half games behind the Mets, and they have a four-game lead on the entire wild card field. Um, basically, it would be impossible for anyone to pick the Braves to not make the playoffs at this point in time. Uh, we'll get into the numbers in a second, but basically every single metric has the Braves as a near lock. Not, not, not a lock. Nothing is, nothing is assured in baseball until it's actually assured. But the playoffs are no longer the concern. It's the division for the most part. And that's a, a kind of comforting, honestly, in some ways. But the folks at Fangraphs are giving the Braves a 97.7% chance to make the playoffs a 35.1% chance to win the division, and a 13.2% chance to win the World Series at this point in time. Um, 538 is fairly similar. 95% chance to make the playoffs. Division chances are 36% and an 8% chance to win the World Series. And the baseball prospectus and the Pakoda folks over there give the Braves a 96.1% chance to make the playoffs, a 27% chance or so to win the division, and about a 7% chance to win the World Series. Obviously, every Braves fan will tell you that their, their World Series chances last year were not very high either, and they ended up winning the World Series. So obviously, that's more of a crapshoot in some ways. But um, I personally think the Braves have a higher division chance than these projections do. I'm not always a uh, sunshine and rainbows kind of guy, but I think the Braves' chances are more in the 40s um, to win the division, maybe even a little bit higher than that to win the division. Uh, I will say that a two-and-a-half game lead, for the Mets does matter, especially when you factor in that this is not exactly the halfway point. We are we are well bo- well beyond the halfway point at this point, so they have to make up some ground. That's a small gap to make up, and they've done a lot of damage already because, of course, famously they were, they were down by ten and a half games not that long ago. But that does matter. I think the Braves are the better team, but two and a half games is two and a half games. Um, playoffs, I'm not concerned about really at all. I think that's a um, not a mortal lock, but certainly something close to that. They are much better than the teams that are chasing them in the standings. And by the way, with three, yes, three 
wild card nods this year. Uh, there's some safety in that as well. Regardless, I think the Braves have been, um, you know, this is their true talent level in terms of like they're playing at their A plus level right now. That's for sure. They at least they have over the last six weeks or so. But I think that the Braves are capable of doing something close to this for a larger sample. Um, if anything, they have their more loaded team now. When you factor in Morton's looking like himself again, um, they, they've gotten more out of certain guys, like their core outfields and situations has been better than it has been early in the season. Um, when you think that Ronald's probably going to turn it on at some point. Um, and with the exception of Riley, nobody else is having an outlier performance. Maybe Michael Harris, uh, his start was probably a little bit above his head. He's going to have to start walking, for instance. But I think that um, there's nothing crazy in the profile right now. This is the race can't repeat any of this stuff moving forward. So I feel pretty confident at this stage. I want to at least give you a couple of check-ins on the non-draft, non-minor league side in the middle of July. Um, obviously a short podcast by our standards, but I wanted to give you a, sort of the daily hammer length kind of podcast to bridge the gap here. We'll be back on our, on our normal schedule later on. And please, 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 step, by the way, stay tuned for continuing and will be draft coverage. Uh, I know the Road Atlanta guys are blowing it out in a big way, so that's all coming. We have we've had the great new addition with Chris and Stephen hosting their weekly podcast. That's been honestly fantastic to listen to. Um, some nuance, and they sort of do uh, more of a deep dive on a topic or two on that show. And then, of course, myself, Scott Coleman, Eric Cole on this same Battery Power feed, and uh, yeah, Sean Coleman on Daily Hammer. It's been uh, basically four shows for the price of one, and by the way, that price is still $0 on this feed, so please leave a five-star rating if you enjoy the podcast a review on your platform of choice, and uh, subscribe across multiple platforms. I'm not above asking for that kind of uh, um, sort of uh, support and across basically every way possible. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to find podcasts, we should definitely be there. If we're not there, please let us know that. I'll get, I'll try to get that addressed in the near future. And also check out all the written content as well. Chris Willis leading the leading the show there. Demetrius, Eric, etc. Et Scott's writing a bunch at this point in time. But BatteryPower.com for all the written content on the baseball side. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. I really do sincerely appreciate it, and I appreciate your patience with my singular ramblings on the Sunday into Monday. We will see you all next time. Stay tuned and enjoy the rest of the All Star Break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.